0: Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. AventCard offers loans from 5000 to €75,000, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you.
1: Find out more at AventCard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
0: Welcome into the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host Ryan McDowell, I'm joined as always by Matt Williamson. And this time, Matt is at Steelers training camp. We talk a lot about it, Matt, but you're actually there
1: right now. I am actually here. I am in the dorm room. I can look out the window. I can sort of see them practicing from my vantage point. But I'd say they're two or three hundred feet or yards away. There's four fields here, um, Chuck Knoll Fields, and uh, it's, it's been very cool. I'm here until Tuesday. Camp breaks Tuesday. Very cool, and, and
0: we actually have, uh, I guess, a full slate of games in the books. We've gotten to see every team at least once now. I don't know, any, any first impressions, I guess? I don't know how much you got to watch being over there at camp, but uh, anybody stand out from any of those games?
1: I thought Darnold looked good from what I've seen. I thought Mayfield looked really good. You know, just talking about the rookies, I mean, Saquon had a nice big run. You saw that. I was watching a lot of the Vikings game last night, and Stefan Diggs looked phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, I'm. It it is a little more difficult. I mean, I have every game on my DVR at home. I'm not sure if I when I'll get to them since games start back up on Thursday. But I've been kind of watching from afar more than most years.
0: Yeah, they're all jammed in into uh, just a couple days. It can be hard to get to them all. Let's go ahead and bring in our guests now. We have uh, Jordan McNamara from UTH joining us. And, Jordan, you also have a side project going on. Um, I want to hear about that and and also want to hear your takes on these games from this weekend. But but start with, uh, I guess, what has probably taken over your life. Tell us a little bit about this project.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I'm in the process of writing a book about Dynasty football. It's called The Analytics of Dynasty. It's going to be released in January of 2019. Uh, I have a pre-order going on right now. At my website analyticsofdynasty.com. Now, with the pre-order, you get obviously you'll get the you'll get the book when it comes out in January, in time for startup season. And you'll also get a one-on-one strategy session with me. We'll get together, chat about uh, if you got a startup draft coming up, if you got rookie drafts, if you got uh, you know some in-season questions, trade questions, how to better manage and uh, make your rosters more efficient. Those type of questions, this cutdowns approach. Anything you want to talk about? Um, I've got most of the research done. Uh, it 's just not in its finalized form yet, so but we can have a pretty good conversation about it i 've been doing a handful of them a week now so it 's been it 's been a good process. the book 's coming along good. I got over a hundred pages already written so um, yeah it's been wow. it 's been consuming. I can tell you that for sure That's yeah, I cool. can
0: imagine what um we definitely would love to have you back on uh, in in January when it 's ready to be released, and you kind of have the full I guess the full uh, breadth of knowledge to share with us, but just give us one or two takeaways, maybe things you've learned or discovered as you've been doing this research.
2: I would say probably like if there's one real big takeaway I would have would be that I think we should be less certain about the decisions. Uh, We should be less certain about players than we probably are as a sort of a general market. Uh, there's a lot of margin for error on these players. Like, there's a lot of things that we don't know that we can't control as dynasty owners that we just, that I think we underestimate that amount of risk. Um, so, I think that can really translate into the type of decisions that you make as, a, as an owner. Um, I don't, because of sort of the research that I found, I, I find myself not really trading up in startup drafts. Um, I find myself, you know, not, not. Investing a ton of assets into one particular, to acquiring one particular player, just because there's so much risk. Now, obviously, there's exceptions to that, um, and we'll probably talk about some of those today. But I just, uh, that would be probably the overall biggest takeaway that we should probably be less certain about what we think is going to happen than,
1: than we are. Yeah, we probably. You know, the thing is, there's nothing really else to think about in the off season. So you formulate all these ideas of this guy's going to get more targets, and here's how all the puzzle pieces fit and then the real world hits and the puzzle pieces don't fit that way.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's it's true for all ranges of the draft. Like one of the things that I found that I was really surprised about was like if you if you were to stack two historically two round 1 running backs together in the first year you would pretty much expect that you would get top 12 seasons out of them as running back finishes. Uh, but the odds of that happening are actually really low. It's like 34% historically. And I think that, like, that type of – and that's where we have, like, a lot of information. That's where a lot of the a- analysis is done. And you think about, like, trying to get two of them to hit in the same season is like, a 34% shot. Like, that just tells you, I think, that, that a lot of what we think, we just – I think we know less than we think we do. And you should, when you're making decisions, if there's one big takeaway that you should really consider that.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. I definitely cannot wait to dig into that myself. And and like I said, we'd we'd love to have you back on in a few months when that's done and uh, discuss that a little bit deeper. Today, though, we're going to answer some listener questions. And I'm sure some of your research and some of what you've learned will come out in some of these responses. Uh, Our first question, guys, comes from Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, being an ADP guru, have you ever tried to take advantage of the places in a startup draft where you don't like any of the players by preemptively using those picks to trade up around instead of trading back? So I think that's a pretty common thing that happens in dynasty startups. You get to a point, you're on the clock, and you just don't like any of the players that are there. And the typical choice, rather than reaching for... Uh, maybe a player you do like or, or taking a player you don't really value maybe as much as the uh, as as the consensus is you trade back so I think what Nathaniel's saying is if you're prepared for those dead spots maybe you move up in the draft instead of moving back to to grab one of your targets so Jordan you just mentioned you you don't really like to trade up I actually don't either so how would you uh, answer Nathaniel here
2: yeah, one of the things that I, in writing my book, that I've come to realize is that I think the type of players that you take are more important than the, like, I think the strategy that you employ is more important than the actual specific players that you take, and you want the players that you take to reflect a successful strategy. So you're looking for successful um, you know, successful historical trends, his, uh, his, successful historical types of players, Um, and and look at it that way. One of the ways to really get at Nathaniel's question that I like to do is I like to take the ADP and just sort of work backwards. You know, if it's 20 rounds, just sort of work backwards and see if I were to take the player that I like in each round, sort of how that team fits together. And then I think, you know, going all the way up to the first round, and then you can sort of see what value ranges you sort of like and sort of how that works together. Uh, One of the things I tend to find is that – You know, you should start receiver early and just keep sort of, I jokingly say, pound, you know, pound the running back position as you go along. Um, But I think the more that you do that, I think you'll if you sort of look at the draft areas like that, you'll have a better understanding of how to move and where to move around.
1: Don't you think at times, Ryan, you know, we've had a lot of good guests on here and we'll go like round by round with ADP of the time. And there always seems like it's right around round five or six where all of us are on the air going, "Yeah, there's nothing here. I'm really all that excited about." So maybe you know when you're making a deal in the earlier portion of the draft, before you even get to that point, you can move your fifth round pick for a future first and a move up or whatever. You know, what I mean, because you know that that area of the draft's a little bit dead for you.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true. I don't know if it's necessarily always the fifth or sixth, but every year there are multiple spots. I I just call them dead spots. I think that's pretty a pretty much accepted term at, at this point. And those might be different for different people. Obviously, if whether you're talking about the mocks that give us ADP or, or actual drafts, there, there's somebody out there who likes all of these players and that consider them a value at some point. But I, I think going back to Nathaniel's question, I think the most important thing is, being familiar with that ADP, uh, being prepared for your draft, and then that will allow you, whether you want to move up, like Nathaniel mentioned, or uh, maybe move back as as Jordan prefers, either way, being prepared, uh, knowing what to expect is, is the key takeaway there. Our next question comes from Freakzilla. He says, has training camp changed your rookie rankings? What is your rookie mock first round look like now? So, Uh, obviously since training camp has started, we've had some, some good and bad reports about these players. And then, uh, just in the past few days, of course, we got the big news, probably the biggest news, probably the biggest news of camp so far or of preseason. And of course that is the season ending injury to Darius Geis, the Redskins running back who had held down that 1.02 spot in rookie ADP and in so many drafts. So that's certainly a big blow uh, before we, we are going to hold a, a quick one round mock draft here. But before we get to that, Jordan with guys out for the season, how are you playing that? Are you looking at one of these other guys? We've seen both Kelly and Samaj and Samaje Ryan, both pretty much disappoint. I mean, they certainly haven't been hot dynasty assets the past couple of years. Are you looking at one of those guys or Chris Thompson, who is recovering from his own injury? Uh, how are you handling this situation?
2: It almost looks like it's going to be a mess, you know, and I think, I don't know, my, I guess my talent preference would be Pirine. I just, you know, it's. it kind of looks a little bit like the Colt situation is going to look like, you know, it could just be a, a sort of group of guys that we just don't, we're never going to really feel good week to week playing them uh, and sort of, I, I'm monitoring preseason, but I, if I had to take a talent bet, I think it would be Pirine. I just don't know if it's going to be how viable it'll be from week to week.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And this time of year, we look at different situations and uh, whether it's a wide receiver core or a backfield committee. And we think, there has to be production there, you know. Somebody's going to catch the ball, and and that's certainly true. But it's not always going to be enough production to matter. And if there are uh, a certain number of bodies, you know, if there's two or three running backs, if there's a handful of wide receivers, I'm I'm thinking about the Jacksonville Jaguars receiving group. Uh, sometimes those guys just end up canceling each other out, and there's there's no real value to be had. Nope, none of them end up as uh as fantasy starter uh, level i guess so um maybe there's an answer there maybe it's p ryan and, and last year was just a, a down year for him as as he transitioned to the nfl but in the end i think i agree I, I don't think i'm really chasing any of these guys uh as far as going out and buying them now that Geis is is injured matt before we do our mock draft any thoughts on Geiss or what's left in washington
1: Yeah, I mean, usually a situation like this, boy, that creates another opportunity for somebody else. This is a great situation for whomever. You know, like, for example, Jarek McKinnon's having his knee looked at right now. Well, that's a golden opportunity for someone else. I mean, is hurt right now, too. So is Joe Williams the guy to own? But I'd look at Washington, kind of like you guys say, and said, I don't want any of these guys. I mean, I would spike Crowder, Reed, Thompson a little bit more because I think that they fit in well with Smith to begin with and I got to think that they're going to throw a little bit higher percentage without Geis you know a short controlled passing game try to control games that way but no and when we get to the mock all of a sudden the top of this rookie draft past Barkley is yucky
0: yeah there's there's certainly some questions Um, and, and not so long ago it seemed like the higher you were in a in the rookie draft, the better, If uh, even if you didn't have that 101 and the chance to get Barkley. But now there, there looks to be, at least in consensus rankings or in ADP, there's not too much difference between 6, 7, 8 and, and a second or third overall pick. So let's, let's go ahead and get to our mock draft. Um, I think I'm going to take the easy way out this time. I'm going to take the 101, <laughs> oh, and I'm going to take Saquon Barkley. And, Matt, I'm going to let you have that second pick.
1: Not nice. Um, <laughs> to me, Geis was clearly the two, you know, because after some Michelle news not being so great. You know, a while back, before those guys caught the camp, I thought Geiss and Michelle were pretty close. But I have a hard time taking, you know, bumping up Michelle at all. I mean, he's not doing anything. And this sounds crazy, but I'm going to stick with Geis and just let him sit there for a year. I mean, to me, the other guys out there aren't very attractive. The 102 is awful right now.
0: Yeah, the I guess the easy answer there, you know, if you have that 102, if you're drafting in a late rookie draft, the easy answer is trade down. Uh, but that is one of those easier said than done. I don't know that anybody wants to move up to the second pick, and I think you could make a case for really any of these running backs or, or even – uh DJ Moore as as the second overall pick. So because of that, because of that uh, I, I guess that parody maybe between those players, the second pick is not a good spot to be.
1: This actually might be a great buying opportunity for Geis.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know if I would take him second. I, I kinda stayed out of the the one point oh two debate and right after the draft that was that was really pretty intense and, and Geis kind of came out of that as as the favorite I didn't have the 1.02 I, I didn't really have, I don't think I had a top three or four pick in any league so I just kind of sat on the sidelines of that one but I don't know if I would take guys second overall at this point but I, I certainly don't think he's fallen far. Jordan maybe Matt took you off the hook with taking guys there I don't know but before you tell us who you're taking at three, how would you handle Geis in a rookie draft? Where would you be willing to draft him?
2: I, I think he would be in the conversation with the Michelle, Penny type tier. Um, I would I would take – well, I'll take Chubb at 103. Um, I think I would take Freeman um, Johnson ahead of Geis uh, right now. Um, and I think that there, he sort of would be, I think, my favorite out of the Michelle and Penny tier. So I'd probably take him, slot him right around 105.
0: Okay. That, and that I think, makes sense. like,
2: I think like Matt said, I think it's a good buying opportunity. And sometimes that like right off the injury, isn't necessarily the best time to buy someone because people are still stuck to their guy, uh, but give it a couple months, you know, He, if you're not contending or if you're a really strong contender and sort of can take on an, what I think can be an elite guy like Geis in season without really hurting your lineup, I think that's a, a great opportunity to add him cheaper. Um, and sort of as the process goes along, I think he's less likely to command the price that he would today. I think you can get people to move off of it, whether it's an in-season flip guy or, or what have you. I think it's a, a good opportunity sort of weeks and months from now to acquire him than it is right now. Would you guys
1: Would you guys rather have Geis right now or an anonymous 19 first?
0: I'd rather have guys. Geis. Guys, all right, so we've had uh, Saquon Barkley, of course, at the 101. Darius Geis still holding his value, at least according to Matt, at 1.02. Nick Chubb at 1.03. Uh, I like each of those picks. Uh, I don't really like my pick here, but I think I'm going to go with Rashad Penny at 4. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily feel great about it. I'm I'm just going to rest on that draft capital and the fact that I don't really trust Chris Carson, uh, to I guess to earn and to keep that starting job. So I'll go with Penny at four, and Matt will go over to you at five.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take another guy whose stock is down that I was really high on just a month ago in Sony Michelle. I mean, that backfield in New England pumps out a ton of production. I think Burkehead's in for a real good year, and we're not hearing anything good about Michelle, but they used the first round pick on him. It's the Patriots, I like his talent a lot. I'm going to stick with them, but again, I don't like this area of the draft at all. Jordan, your turn at six.
2: Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take Royce Freeman. I mean, I think Freeman would be in most other classes. He would be a top three profile in terms of rookie picks. I think he would just be historically, he's an elite prospect from a college production perspective and athleticism perspective. He's big. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of his profile and I think this is the type of year if you can get a guy like this at one oh six in a rookie draft, like that's a really good like that's a really good historical value. So I'll take Royce Freeman.
0: All right, so it's gone Barkley, Geis, Chubb, Penny, Michelle, Freeman, all running backs so far. I'm back up at one point oh seven and I think I will end that streak and take DJ Moore at seven overall.
1: And we'll move over to Matt at eight. Just one note on Moore, I thought he looked great on Thursday, by the way. So, I think his stock is actually rising. I'm going to stick again with my my ranks before training camp. Take Ronald Jones. He was fourth for me, but I'm not loving his situation. I worry that Barber is going to be the goal line guy. How many touchdowns does Jones have in his future? Maybe Sims is the receiving back, and then all of a sudden, Jones is in like a Mir Abdullah, no man's land. But I like the player a lot going in, and I'm gonna stick with it. So this is the third pick I've made that I don't like.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's kind of a, a theme <laughs> of this draft. I, I don't really expect I don't expect Nick Chubb to fall too far. Like I I I feel like as far as these late rookie drafts, I think he kind of has a floor around that uh, five or six spot. But any of these other guys, even the players that we've talked about so far, including Geis any of them could even fall outside of the first round in, in a late rookie draft, which is just crazy if you think about what their value was um, even just a month ago. All right, Jordan, you've got the ninth pick. Who are you taking there?
2: I'll take on Johnson. I mean, I, I, I like the landing spot for him. Uh, it looks cloudy right now, but in a way that, sort of New Orleans did last year with Kamara and I just don't think that the talent there is anything that's going to keep him off the field. I think that he's a good he's a good historical prospect. He and if you look at 21-year-old running backs, like they blow away the rest of the their the running back age rookies, right? So they're significantly more productive than 22-year-old rookies and a lot more productive than 23-year-old rookies. And I think that if you take a guy like on Johnson, you're sort of investing in a three-down guy who's young, um, I think probably better than we expected draft pedigree. You sort of take all of those things together, and I think that points to a successful profile. So I like on Johnson at 109 quite a bit.
0: And on Johnson is the the one guy out of this group of running backs, of course, excluding Barkley as always but out of that second tier of running backs, he's the one guy I think we can say is certainly gaining value. We heard good camp reports uh, about him and then certainly had a strong showing in his first preseason game. Um, I know he had at least one long run. I, I think you could see him go as early as 1.02 in, in late rookie drafts. That, again, just would have been crazy a few weeks ago, but that's that's the reality of where we are now. I am up at 110, and I'm going to go back with another receiver and another player who we've heard good things about, uh, at least out of training camp, Cortland Sutton at 10. Matt, that puts you up for your last pick, the 1.11.
1: Yeah, another guy that I think stock is actually rising, which is rare apparently in the top of this rookie class. Uh, Good situation. Well, it reminds me in a way like when the Saints traded up for Kamara, you know, the, the, the Bears traded up for Anthony Miller with, you know, I can't believe he's still on the board. I got to have him. I'll take him.
0: We talked so much about that top 12, especially immediately after the draft. And it seemed like that top 12 was locked in. Uh, there was a pretty significant gap between the 12 and, and 13 or, or 2.01 moving down. That was one of the things I really wanted to watch through through camp and through the preseason was could one of those guys, be it Miller or Pettis, or Traquan Smith, or Giseki or James Washington, uh Michael Gallup, could one of those guys crack that top 12 and push somebody down? And and we've seen Miller do it. I think he's pretty consistently going to go in that first round of these late these late drafts. Jordan, are you a believer in in the Miller hype? Or what what are your thoughts on him? I just I,
2: I don't know what the upside is, and like you look at a guy, he's his production was kind of weak on an age adjusted basis in college, and I just I just I struggle to see how he gets to a target level that validates him to be a, a top twenty four, top thirty six sort of reliable starter, and and in that, like I just I have concerns sort of how he. I just have concerns about his profile in terms of how he fills it out into a way that's that's useful on a weekly basis, um, especially with a couple of the other guys in this range. And I don't know, day two receivers—the hit rate is so low. I just I I tend to lean against them unless they're otherwise elite prospects like a Sutton or a Kirk, like I would take in this situation.
0: Miller to me, both in his his dynasty value, have how, how we've seen it grow over the past couple of months. And and in a way, his his role in the offense feels feels a lot like Cooper Cup to me. You know, Cup this time last year was that that older receiver that a lot of people stayed away from, and of course came from uh, a, a small school. And and Miller coming from Memphis, not not quite as small, but not not a power five school either um i kind of think they have similar profiles as far as their dynasty value go and and also you mentioned it as far as their ceiling i don't i don't see a certainly don't see a wide receiver one ceiling with either of those guys jordan you are on the clock for your last pick and uh, we'll we'll see one of these talented players uh receivers specifically fall out of the first round you mentioned christian kirk is that who you're taking
2: yeah, I'd take Christian Kirk at one twelve. You know, just as long as we can keep him away from the, the Phoenix Open, I think that he's got a pretty good uh, long term uh, chance of being successful.
0: All right. So of course, uh, seeing Anthony Miller go in that first round pushes one of those guys out that we, um, that we had seen go in the first round so much, and in this case, it's Calvin Ridley. So Calvin Ridley falls, uh, and then he's in that group with some of the other names I mentioned: Michael Gallup, Gasquet. Um, those are guys, James Washington, that you can get in the, uh, early part of that second round, which, uh, that's looking like a pretty good spot to have, uh, have a couple of darts to throw.
1: Yeah. That's a real nice area. All of a sudden, like where the front of the first round looks really rough. The front of the second round looks great right now. You know, you'd rather have a couple of those picks than the one, two, one, three or something in that neighborhood.
0: Our next question comes from Jabbar Iguana course it's jordan one of your buddies jabbar iguana he says what's the appropriate trade value for antonio brown um so of course antonio brown obviously one of the um, elite assets in dynasty but he's also nearing 30 and and we know some people like to stay away from wide receivers at that point you just have to question how long can he keep doing it and then and then you've got some younger wide receivers uh, who could could be eclipsing him in value soon. I I pulled up some of the recent Antonio Brown trades from the dynasty league football trade finder. And and just want to get your guys thoughts on these. We'll, we'll kind of see if we can narrow down how we feel about Brown's trade value. Here's one. and, And this trade is actually just from yesterday. These are all recent trades. It's Antonio Brown and Rex Burkhead for Kareem hunt and Sammy Watkins. Uh, so you're getting a couple of Chiefs for Antonio Brown, Rex Burkhead, Jordan. Which side of that deal do you like?
2: I'm not a huge believer in, in Hunt. So I'd probably, I w- in this deal, I'd probably take the Brown side. Uh, if you were to sub out a different second-year running back, I might be interested. Um, I'm higher on Watkins than the market is. Uh, I just am concerned about Hunt. So in this particular deal, I would take I would take the Brown side. But you know i i could be convinced to move off of it at a similar cost if it wasn't hunt
0: so in general would you be a seller on brown even if you had a contending dynasty team
2: i browns interesting to me from a historical perspective because like the guys that we see play into their their mid to late 30s are typically the guys that were elite draft picks you know you see guys like Larry Fitzgerald and you're going to probably see guys like AJ Green and Julio and all of these guys like because they can sustain sort of a blip because they just keep there's always an interest for them Brown's going to break that rule right because he's a sort of a low pick Um, you know I think that he's an elite enough asset to continue to play into his 30s and continue to play you know, if something happens in Pittsburgh, like, you know, if he were to get hurt, I still think that he would get another opportunity. That's sort of how I look at these guys. You know, if something were to go bad for a season, what would sort of be their bounce back type market? I think that'll probably happen for Brown because he's a historical player. Um, but generally it's a, it's not something that we have seen a ton of. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting trend to watch with him. I think he can still play in his thirties. Um, would I, in a startup, spend a first round draft pick on him? Probably not. I like to go about building my teams a little bit different than that, but I think the startup valuation uh, as it is right now is fair in the trade market.
0: Yeah. I think we're in the same place, Matt. What about you? Burkhead and Antonio Brown versus hunt and Watkins.
1: Yeah. I mean, like Jordan said, I'm higher on Watkins than the market is. I don't have any qualms with hunt, but I don't think it's enough because to me, Maybe if Burkhead wasn't involved, I think Burkhead's worth something. I think he's worth a second-round pick or so. He's not just a throw-in. Um, if it was Watkins and Hunt for A.B., I think that's about fair. But now I have to give up Burkhead, no, so I'll take the A.B. side.
0: Yeah, In, in general, uh, I don't want to take away too much, I guess, from looking at these trades from uh, their they're actual leagues, but they're not leagues in general that I'm familiar with, so I, I can't necessarily vouch for them. But on the whole, I'm I'm surprised at the the trade value Brown is demanding here. Next one is Antonio Brown on one side, other side is Rob Gronkowski and a 2019 second round pick. Jordan, would that be enough? Would you rather have the elite aging tight end versus the elite aging wide receiver?
2: Um, I would take I'd take Brown here. I just I have concerns about how long Gronkowski is going to play and his health concerns. I mean, I, I just think. Brown safer
1: at this point in his career than
2: Gronkowski is.
1: I 100% agree. Oh, by the way, Antonio Brown is back at practice today. Just a little tidbit here from Latrobe. Um, I agree. I, I want A.B. in this side, too. If it was a first rather than a second, I think you could persuade me, though.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of thought, actually, before I even pulled these trades up, I thought, in general, I would probably be a seller on Brown. I feel like he still has... He's still valued as an elite asset, but if I can drop down to... That next tier down, if it's uh, Michael Thomas or somebody like that and get something on top, I would do that. But I'm with you guys. I'm taking the Brown side on these so far. We've got a couple more. Antonio Brown and Devonte Freeman for Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, and Jamal Williams. So that's more of the type of trade I was talking about where you're dropping down to that Keenan Allen range. He's, he's typically coming off the board in the late first or early second of a startup. Uh, and, and obviously Allen Robinson uh, carries plenty of value as well. So, again, it's Brown and Freeman, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Jamal Williams. Matt, we'll start with you this time. Which side do you like?
1: See, Freeman's a sell for me, yeah, so that kind of clouds things, and I'm also not a huge Jamal Williams fan, so I would, you know, if I was making a deal with this person, I'd be like, give me somebody similar, another young back. But in the end, I think I'll take the package. I'll take Robinson, Allen, Allen's a stud and a young back that has promise in a good situation as opposed to Freeman, who I think is a dump.
0: Yeah, I think we could almost view it, it, it. We're close to viewing as far as dynasty value, Brown and Keenan Allen as essentially the same value. Jordan, do you agree with Matt?
2: Yeah, I would take the package side. I would see if you could get a little bit more um, on the package side. I think that you could, um, but I would take the probably take the package side. I just like the – and I'm probably higher on Jamal Williams, I think, than Matt is, um, but, yeah, I would take the package side.
1: I'm just a big Aaron Jones believer.
0: All right, so there's one where we're going against, against A.B. I don't think we will on this one, but I just have to throw this last trade out. It's Antonio Brown and D'Angelo Henderson, so essentially a, a toss-in maybe to even out rosters. Coming back, Cortland Sutton and Cooper Cup. I, that's one of those trades I just don't see how how it gets done. Even if I'm in a total rebuild, you you have to get more than that.
1: Throw in a first-round pick. Yeah, sure. yeah you got to get a lot more than that.
0: So that's, that's one of those that, uh, yeah, it just throws off the trade value when you... When you look at deals like this.
1: Ryan, speaking of getting a lot. You know where I'm going with this one? I think you might. It's a new sponsor for us though. It's our friends over at Warby Parker. And I've dealt with these guys before. I own a pair of their sunglasses. And my wife steals them all the time. So when this opportunity came around. And they wanted to sponsor us. I got her to use the service. So what happens is. You go to their website, and you pick your five, or five favorite pair of frames. And you can get regular glasses, you get sunglasses, whatever you want. And then they ship you those glasses, and you get five days to figure out which ones you want. So she walked around the house with these five glasses on, and our kids voted, and we all voted, and she had some friends vote. And it's great. So you know, it ships for free, includes prepaid return shipping label. So you head to warbyparker.com slash Dynasty Blueprint, all one word, and you try your free home try-ons today. I mean, it's a great service. It doesn't cost you anything. It's fantastic. Glasses start at 95 bucks. That includes prescription lenses, which, as we know, can be way more than that. Uh, lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. I've had no problems at all with the pair I've had for a while now. For This is really cool of them. Is For every pair that you buy, a pair is distributed to a person in need. So somebody that really can't afford them for themselves. It's wonderful. So they also have a great app, you know, so you can go through the site. You know, like I said, go to WarbyParker.com slash Dynasty Blueprint. But then after you've ordered the home try on situation, you can use the app. And it's pretty, pretty darn cool. So if you happen to have an iPhone X, you can download the, the Warby Parker app where you can use their brand new feature, it's called Find Your Fit. And Find Your Fit uses the, X, the iPhone X's true depth camera to map and measure key facial figures for you, including these measurements, you know, you, using these measurements, Find Your Fit, they recommend ones for you. So it's unbelievable. They have 12 frames and they'll be like, this is the one that fits your face the best. Pretty cool, and it only takes a couple seconds. So, um, like I said, I've now ordered my second hot home try-on kit for my family. And we'll be getting a pair here really soon. Like I said, it's it's a great situation. So everyone needs to go to warbyparker.com slash Dynasty Blueprint.
0: All right, guys, our next question comes from Tyler. He's got another question about rookies. What do you project or who do you project as the top five rookie wide receivers ADP by the end of the 2018 season? So he's talking about current rookies. What will their ADP look like by the end of the season? So obviously this heavily factors in how we expect these guys to perform. Uh, we know ADP, we know dynasty players in general, can't help but factor in that recency bias. Uh, it, so it doesn't always 100% align with uh, results from that season, but that will play a big role in it. Uh, so I've got eight guys, and there certainly could be some surprises, but the top eight wide receivers, I think, that we're, we're talking about here and trying to narrow down to the top five by the end of the season, of course, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Sutton, Kirk, Michael Gallup, Anthony Miller, James Washington, and Dante Pettis. We know DJ Moore sits at the top of that ADP right now, both in rookie ADP and our startup ADP. Jordan, do you think Moore is the most likely candidate to end the season as the top-ranked rookie, or do you see someone else jumping over him?
2: No, I think he's the most likely to stay there. I mean, it would be interesting to see sort of what happens with Sutton. You know, does do they move on? Does Denver have to move on from Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders? I mean, they take up two of the top three cap hits for Denver in 2019. Do they have to, you know, are they both gone? I mean, that sort of scenario would, I think, really vault up Sutton. But I think right now the most likely person is DJ Moore.
0: Yeah, I think we could see a situation where, More is the wide receiver one for Carolina this season. I don't think we have to wait um, a a full year. And uh, as talented as Sutton is with both Thomas and Sanders there, there's the odds are against him outperforming both of those guys this season. So even if one or both of them are gone, I think that makes sense that it probably would be more uh, as the one guy, as the first guy off the board among these rookie wide receivers by the end of the year. Uh, Matt, If Moore is the first guy, who do you think might be the second?
1: Yeah, Moore would be my first guy. I think Sutton is my second, you know, for all the reasons we talked about in the rookie draft as well, is what Jordan said, you know. I mean, Demarius and or Emmanuel Sanders could be gone. He might be the number one in Denver. But one thing I just wanted to throw out there, if I had to put a chip down of which wide receiver takes the biggest jump, maybe not all the way to number one, but takes a huge jump, Antonio Callaway, uh, you know, what if Mayfield's a hit? What if Gordon's no longer in the picture? Uh, he scored a long touchdown the other night. So I can see him really skyrocketing up these, this list too.
0: Yeah, and of course Callaway, not one of the guys I mentioned, but we we saw plenty of scouts and uh, draft Knicks calling him the most talented receiver in the class. And, and we know he only fell because of those off-field concerns. And those have continued. So hopefully he can... I guess stay out of trouble for for lack of better words, and and keep performing as he did in that first preseason game. If he does both of those things, then it could be him in the second or third spot. Uh, so we've got more, most likely being the top rookie wide receiver by the end of the season. Sutton is the second. Who do you think might be the third, Jordan?
2: I think it could be Christian Kirk, and he would be my pick because you know I think Rosen's going to be. I have good feeling about Rosen long-term. I think Fitzgerald sort of nearing the end. um, And I think that Kirk as soon as 2019 could be the wide receiver one in Arizona with what could be a good, you know, a good duo between him and Rosen. So I like him to be right in that conversation with Sutton in the two, three range.
0: All right. I, I like that one as well. He's been a favorite of mine and, and I do love that they, they got both of those guys, the rookie receiver, rookie quarterback building that, Uh, hopefully building that relationship from the start. Moore, Sutton, Kirk, Matt, who would be your fourth guy? We've got Calvin Ridley, Michael Gallup, Anthony Miller, James Washington, Pettis, or do you think it possibly is Callaway in the fourth spot?
1: I think I might go, I'm going to go stick with Miller. And I do think Jordan brought a good point is what is his ceiling? But if it is Cooper Cup, that's still pretty strong. I liked him enough to take him pretty high in the rookie draft. I will say James Washington looks great here too, but he's pretty much pigeonholed as a three on the Steelers for some time. Um, yeah, I'll go with Miller. All right, and that leaves
0: um, the five spot. Jordan, will let you clean that one up. Uh, lots of good candidates still. Ridley, Gallup, Washington, Pettis, Callaway. Who would be your fifth-ranked rookie trying to look into the future to the end of the 2018 season?
2: yeah I'm not a huge fan of Calvin Ridley but I would probably put him here just in terms of you know he's got a he's got a big name he was a first round draft pick I think that those things matter in terms of his valuation um, you know I think that he could probably see the field maybe not necessarily be an early factor in 2018 but sort of as the season goes on become more involved and sort of building a good narrative into the off season. so I would probably think that he would be my number five
0: on this list that makes a lot of sense he's uh, I guess depending on what ranks or what ADP you're looking at, he's somewhere in that wide receiver two to wide receiver four range right now. So it is tough to see him losing too much value. Uh, certainly a guy that we would expect to stay inside that top five. Next question comes from John. John says Who are the one or two Jaguar wide receivers to own in a PPR dynasty? So we we kind of alluded to this one earlier, I did, as maybe just a situation to stay away from in general. We know the names there, Marquise Lee, Keelan Cole. uh, They drafted DJ Shark. They signed Dante Moncrief to a big one-year deal. Uh, I think I'm forgetting somebody, D.D. Westbrook, another second-year guy. Jordan, which of these guys do you like, or are you just staying away from all of them?
2: Yeah, I think kind of like we talked about earlier, it's going to be somebody. I just don't know from a weekly basis like who who it is. And I don't like to load up on a lot of like. Sort of my strategy is to be lean at the receiver position. I think that that's generally the most efficient way to put your team together is to have high-end elite receivers. So I don't take a ton of shots in this area. I guess if I had to pick one, it would probably be Keelan Cole. Um, I think Moncrief's interesting, but he's just been. He hasn't really done much, um, but they like enough to see him for a year on a semi-big number, about $8 million. So if I
1: the between the two of them, I think it's interesting. If I had to pick one, I would pick Cole.
0: Matt, any thoughts on the Jags wide receivers?
1: I don't want any. I mean, I really think that is the answer. But mine would be Moncrief because – you know, as Jordan said, they did just give him substantial money and money talks in the NFL. And they tell you a lot of clues when they give people big contracts. And there was a portion, there was a time in Moncrief's career that I was intrigued with them and owned them and liked them.
0: Yeah, I think mine would be Moncrief as well. Just uh, we've seen, we've seen him do it before. It's kind of interesting. All of these guys really have what have injury concerns. So there's a, there's a lot of them there. There's five relevant guys, but uh, it wouldn't be, uh, unfortunately, it wouldn't be a major surprise if at some point two or three of them were injured. Just looking at our current ADP on at DLF, Marquise Lee is wide receiver 59, Keelan Cole wide receiver 65, Didi Westbrook wide receiver 67, Moncrief is 76, Shark is 83. So um, to have all five of those guys uh, relatively packed in there and in you know, in close quarters, the the top guys, barely in the top sixty, that just kind of kind of shows that we don't really have a good handle on this situation at all. Uh, one of these guys probably will emerge. I'm not sure if that Jacksonville passing offense, uh, especially when they're winning games, is uh, is enticing enough to you know to invest in. I picked up. Dante Moncrief off the waiver wire in one of my leagues this weekend for that price. Sure. Why not? But, uh, as far as paying something for these guys, I would, I would have a hard time doing that.
1: And maybe injuries sort things out, like you said.
0: Sure. All right, guys, our last question. I think this is an important one. Uh, and, and still a lot of mystery with this situation. Just a dude says, are you a buyer or a seller on Josh Gordon at his current ADP? So his current ADP uh, again according to DLF is wide receiver 25 that puts him at 52 overall. Uh, still still pretty pricey in my opinion. Jordan, what are your thoughts on the Josh Gordon situation and how are you valuing him in dynasty leagues?
2: I, I just can't get on board with the price and it's just too much risk for me. One of the things I like to when I'm doing a startup and looking at players, particularly in the top, I would say six, five to six rounds. I don't want to miss. And if you're looking at uh, a player in that range, like basically the average return in that range of the draft, it, you're looking for 1.2 to 1.3 starter seasons out of that receiver is sort of the general average. And I just got very little confidence that that Gordon is anything more than a year to year guy at this point. I just can't trust him. So at that cost, I just can't, you know, and I don't know what the ceiling is. I mean, we're looking at, it's been five years since he was what everyone remembers him being. And I just, I can't really get on board with the cost.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And to dig into the ADP a little bit more, whether you've got a, a contending team and you like to trend towards those veteran wide receivers or if you are, are building from the ground up and uh, you like to focus on youth. Guys going behind him, to me, there's there's several good options. Marvin Jones, Demarius Thomas, uh, Robert Woods, Devontae Parker, looking at the younger guys. Uh, every rookie wide receiver is behind him. DJ Moore, uh, Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, all pretty close behind him. Um, at wide receiver 25, I, I feel like he probably should be 10 spots lower at least. Matt, what are your thoughts on Gordon?
1: Yeah, I have him as my wide receiver 27 and falling. And some of those rookies I might rather, I'd definitely rather have DJ Moore. I think I'd probably, I'd rather have Sutton. Would you rather have Kirk? I mean, probably in the end, yes. I mean, especially think about where they both will probably be in two years. So, yeah, I think he's, if you can get, you know, wide receiver 22, 23, 25 in neighborhood, For him in return uh, he's gone sell him
0: all right uh that that will do it for today thanks to everyone for submitting some great questions uh and thanks especially to jordan for joining us jordan before we uh wrap it up today tell our listeners where they can find you and your work
2: yeah thanks for having me guys you can find me at uthdynasty.com i do a lot of the premium podcasts over there you can also find my written work there, as well as you can go to analyticsatdynasty.com, pre-order the Analytics at Dynasty. It'll be out January of 2019. And if you go ahead and pre-order before September 1st, we'll get together, do a one-on-one strategy session. We'll talk Dynasty. We'll talk a lot of the research that I have put together, I'll give you a free preview of it before the start of the season, so that way you can use it. Uh, on your opponents this season um, before the book comes out in 2019. And you can find me on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty.
0: All right. Thanks again to Jordan for joining us. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.